When I say the word gospel, I wonder what comes to mind. For we say we have, uh, we preach the gospel. We can say we believe the gospel. We can say that we are a gospel church. But more and more we find <clears throat> that when people are asked, what is the gospel? The answer seemed to vary quite a bit. You can turn on your radio or television and hear people say that they are proclaiming the gospel and, and that you're, if you send your money to them, you're supporting a gospel ministry. But then as you, as you hear them speak and check out the content of their message, you really find no gospel at all, but instead a list of things that you should do. A preaching of, of works, and sometimes those works aren't even biblical. Back in the late 50s and early 60s, there was a series of songs, pop songs, pop songs that dealt with motorcycle wrecks and car fatalities. Leader of the pack. Teen Angel, Lori, that's where the fellow had to, brought the girl home and then he went by and he saw his sweater on her, her grave. And then of course, oh where oh where can my baby be? I know Brenda knows all of these, the words are going through her mind right now. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I got to be good. So I can see my baby when I leave this world. That song was all about another wreck that they had. And, and the girlfriend dies and... Another song about uh, the girl who ran back to get her boyfriend's class ring in the car that was stuck on the railroad track. Happy songs from the 60s. <laughs> but that one that, she's gone to heaven, so I've got to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world. Now you say, oh, that's a, that's a pop song, but... Seriously, if you stop and think, there's a lot of people that that's what they think the gospel is. If I'm just good enough in this life, all I need to do is to be good to go to heaven. Now, you think that might be, again, rather simplistic. But if you listen to the majority of the gospel presentations, so many times it points back to the person. What you must do. And my friends, when you hear someone say, this is what you must do, then you're not hearing the gospel. You're hearing the law, but you're not hearing the gospel. No one's saved through the law. 
we are saved through the gospel. The gospel is what the Lord has done for us. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of Daryl Jarman. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is what Jesus Christ has done. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 16 and verse 17, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of man is revealed. Well, the righteousness of God is revealed. For everyone who believes, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is the righteousness of God revealed. Not the righteousness of any one of us, but the righteousness of God. Notice, first, it is the gospel of Christ. It's about him and what he has done. That's why Paul can say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because Paul can't say, I am not ashamed of the life of Paul. Because all you have to do is go to Romans 7. And you'll find clearly that he's ashamed of himself. And he, in the end of that Romans 7, he's looking to uh, someone outside of himself for his help. He says, oh, I thank God through Jesus Christ. So the gospel of Christ, it's about him, what he has done. Secondly, it is the power of salvation. The power of salvation. Four. Two, that is to the benefit of. Something here is it's something that takes place. It is the gospel of Christ, the power of God to salvation. So what's happening here when he mentions the, the gospel? Is he making you think about yourselves? Or is he taking you away from yourselves to look elsewhere to Christ? It is the power of God unto salvation. Directing our attention away from ourselves and leading us to Christ. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture, look unto yourself and be saved. But look unto me, the Lord says, and be saved. I would think that perhaps if you were to take someone, uh, get someone who escaped from North Korea perhaps, a land that's seemingly cut off from the gospel. And you were to bring one of those citizens from North Korea to any of the majority of churches and have him sit through one of the services and then ask him afterward, what did you learn in regard to what a Christian is. 
more times than not, from how, how things are presented, it would, he would be led to say, well, it seems that Christianity is all about what a person does. So often it is the case where, yes, it is preached that you must believe in Christ, But for some reason, so many feel like we can't stop there. And so it moves to what you must do to prove that you are a believer. How am I to be right with God? What is justification all about? Justification is by faith alone through Christ alone. We, we've heard that over and over again, hopefully here. But even then there are those who say, yes, I believe in justification, but I also I teach final justification, that in the end, it's what you've done after you've been saved that will make a difference. And when anybody attaches a word before justification, like final, it's a good time to walk away because they're leading you down a Romanist path a path away from the gospel. How can a sinner be forgiven and found righteous and accepted by a holy God that is justified? Well, Romans 3 in verse 20 tells us, gives us a good beginning to go with in Romans 3 and verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law reveals our sin. The law gives no pardon. It gives no hope. It gives no comfort. It gives no help. At least before we come to Christ. And so then, in chapter 3 and verse 28 of Romans... Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Apart from the deeds of the law. That is, there is nothing you can do to recommend yourself to God. It is justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Now we need to ask a question here. When we sing hymns and sing psalms, do we really consider the words? Are we thinking about these words as we are singing them? There are some of you here probably have sung Rock of Ages dozens of times. But do we think about it when we're singing it? Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? That is, if I, if I was always excited about that. Could my tears forever flow? 
All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. And then as begins the next, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. These precious words from the Rock of Ages beautifully illustrates the gospel. A man is justified by faith. And perhaps Martin Luther said it best, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther the Reformer. Faith is the empty hand that takes hold of Christ. The empty hand that takes hold of Christ. I don't know how many times I've heard it preached that Christ made salvation possible. Made it possible. <laughs> so on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished, mostly. It's up to you now to complete it. No, he said, it's finished. It's complete. He didn't die to make salvation possible. He accomplished salvation and was able to say regarding the work of salvation that it is finished. We do not complete what Christ did. He completed it. Notice in Romans 4 in verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith, is accounted for righteousness. He justifies the ungodly. That's the best news that you can hear today. Best news anyone can bring forth. It's not negative by all any means. He justifies the ungodly. And every single one of us falls under that category. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And those who think that they're okay fall into that category of the righteous, but those who beat their breast and say, have mercy on me, the sinner. Those, those he came for. Faith must have an object. And in fact, faith is only as good as its object. So it's not faith in me. It's not faith in anything that I've done. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that seems to be scandalous to so many modern ears. But doesn't it say, repent and believe? So therefore, I have to do something. God doesn't repent for me. And so therefore, there's something I have to do, right? I simply ask the question, 
if you truly repent, why are you doing it now as opposed to yesterday or the day before or the week before or the month before or the year before? Repentance is a grace. It's given to us as a byproduct of faith. If you don't believe, you can't repent. <laughs> if you don't believe that God is and that God, how God sees sin, then why in the world would you bother to repent? Faith comes before repentance. And it is only by faith that we can repent. Faith is the vehicle by which the finished work of Christ comes to us and therefore repentance is born of faith. Well, someone might say, and it's become a popular saying, go out and live the gospel. Go through all the pages. Read all the words. No such command in Scripture. Go out and live the gospel. We're never told that in scripture. We're told to believe it. We're told to proclaim it. But Christ lived it. But what do we do? See, there's a problem in what I'm preaching here for many years because it, it leaves man out of so many of, of what he's so used to getting involved in. And there is this great fear that exists that if you preach the gospel as it truly is, then people will become lackadaisical. I don't have to do anything. And believe me, we believe in the law. There's no question about that. But the right use of the law for the believer is the law is our guide. Prior to that, yeah, it, it condemns. And that's why David in Psalm 119 can say, Oh, how I love thy law. Because as converted people, the law is our guide. And out of love, we follow what it teaches. There's no question about that. But you wouldn't find David prior to conversion saying, oh, how I love thy law because it kills me. Love shouldn't make us lackadaisical. And as John would tell us, why do we love God in the first place? We love him, why? Because he first loved us. It's his love at work in us. So then someone will say, well then, what you're giving here, how do I get assurance? <laughs> There's the problem. Somehow, assurance is based on performance. Yet is, but not yours. 
It's based on the performance of Christ. Someone might walk up and say, you know, I, I really don't feel saved. What do you think about Christ? He's my Savior. Look to Him. Don't look to your feelings. Look to Him. Look to what He says He has done. Do you believe in what He has said He has done? Yes. All right. Stop going by your feelings then. Your feelings are getting you nowhere. Your feelings can be influenced by a whole lot of things. We are saved by faith in Christ. So someone say, yeah, but isn't it by my works that give me the assurance? Oh, no, my friend, no. Not at all. If it's by your works, you'll never have assurance. The greatest apostles of the New Testament could never find assurance in what he did but only when he looked to Christ. Who's the judge of, of works? Where's the book that says you must have five of these a day and six of these and you must be at this level here by next year and then next year you must be at this level. Where's that prescribed? Yes, we will do works, but not... You see, think about it for a minute. If I do my works because... One, I'm trying to impress God or I'm trying to save myself. I am doing them out of the wrong motive. If I'm not doing my works out of love for Christ, for what he has done for me, then my motive's all off. And everything I'm doing is as filthy rags. Our assurance comes from Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The same one who gives us an eternal salvation. One that can't be taken away. One that can never be changed. So, what is our hope? What is our rest? What is our peace? It's not found in ourselves. It's found in Christ. Jesus said very clearly, peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace. You see, world peace is all about what we do. Christ's peace comes to us from him and who we are in him that gives us the peace that's completely unlike the the world. You wouldn't, if I asked you today, do you remember who won the Cy Young Award in baseball in the American League in 1965? Raise your hand if you know that. Nice try, Wyatt. You don't. You have a hard enough time remembering who won the Super Bowl three years ago. Because the world, you're only as good as your last performance. In Christ, we're only as good as his last performance. And that was perfect and will always be.
That's our peace. That's our hope. And where does it come from? From the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.